0: You go and you think, you know, this is how I'm gonna parent. And then you have kids and that gets thrown on its, like throw it upside down, inside out, because the reality is never what you think. It's gonna be a big adventure and you just have to approach it as a big adventure. Remember that some of the best stories are miserable while you're living through them. <laughs> like they're great after you're done.
1: Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Marianne, thank you so much for joining me today on my show.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yay. Um let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit um, about yourself and what you do for a living?
0: Okay, so I'm a blogger. I have some like other freelance side things I do. But mostly I run a blog called MamasMiles.com. Um that's what I do. I live in California.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, and then what are some of the side things that you do?
0: Um a lot of things. Sometimes I teach middle school music most recently. Um no way yeah so you're (laughs) a musician
1: as well and you're 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 good enough to actually teach so that means that you're an actual musician not just like a hobbyist like me
0: well i would still call myself a hobbyist but yes (laughs) i've met some hobbyists who are better than me so i'm like well don't like devalue yourself too much there but yes no i love music and i'm really passionate about making sure kids get access to music
1: so yeah, that's awesome. And then do you have a specific instrument that you play or are you teaching um, a specific band or theory or what kind of aspect of music? Oh,
0: I have taught all of it, but I'm most comfortable singing um, piano, guitar. I'm okay with string instruments. Band is always terrifying to me, but I'll um, do it if I have to. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so is it mostly the choir then?
0: Uh, choir and we I had a fun little uh, ukulele choir group going. Uh, oh, almost. awesome. <laughs> Cool. Yeah.
1: A couple years ago, I picked up the ukulele and it was um, just so fun and amazing. And I, I love that instrument so much. It's so great.
0: It's brilliant because it's so playable and it sounds calming and happy and upbeat.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of the beach. So it like, it definitely has that like connotation of like calming and, and, and kind of like relaxed sense of state, state of mind. So I think there's a lot of advantages to that, uh, to that instrument in that sense as well. Yeah. But it is very approachable too. I feel like people could pick it up pretty mm-hmm. quickly. So it gives them. A yeah. Good you get the morning.
0: basics, the people who are good at it. I'm like, you know, yeah. you can do some mad technique on that instrument if you know That's what you're right.
1: doing. But. So did your, um, love for music also, um, kind of tie in nicely with your love for writing? Or I guess the question I'm trying to ask is how'd you start, how'd you start becoming a blogger? What's the origin story for that? <laughs> how does one Uh, become a blogger
0: I am one random person so I was a music major as an undergrad Mm. and um, but I knew I wasn't good enough to easily cut it in a pro world and I also knew that I don't stay up late very well which also makes it very difficult to cut it Mm. um, in a performance world and um, so I went and got a Creden- teaching credential is like my backup, figure out what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Then I went and got a PhD because an opportunity showed up. I'm a big opportunity person, which is kind of maybe how you do become a blogger. You know, you get mm-hmm. this opportunity, finished a PhD, had a child while I was finishing my PhD, which is madness. Don't do that. Ah. But I mean, she's awesome. I glad I had her, but yeah. maybe don't try and combine them. Uh, and After combining them, I was like, I'm going to step out of academia for a while, took a break, had a second kid, was just kind of fell into blogging as at the beginning, more of a hobby. Like I'm sitting here with two toddlers and they are awesome, but also where is my brain going? And so it was like a brain outlet combined with actually similar to your show, maybe a desire to raise awareness of what parenting actually is Mm. and how much passion and thought and Um, mindfulness goes into parenting. Mm -hmm. So I was wanting to showcase that too. Um, Then did not realize when I started it that it could be a career option. So it was really awesome when it turned into that. Uh, Growing up, I come from a huge family of writers. Like my dad was a career diplomat. And if you know, what career diplomats basically do is they write a lot. Wow. No, (laughs)
1: I didn't know that. That's awesome. (laughs)
0: They go. They do. They talk to people. Do research, and then they send cables. Mm. And you know how well your cable is written is really important because you have to be able to communicate what's happening because it then informs policy decisions. Wait,
1: wait. It's called a cable. So is that like a newsletter or like a like a, no, not a like... pitch or <laughs> what's a cable? I've never even.
0: I think they used to literally cable it to Washington. Oh wow!
1: And so it's still called a cable to this day.
0: It was when I was
1: growing up. <laughs> That's awesome. So cool. So you grew up in a writing family that really like yeah, loved loved the words and um, you parlayed that during your um, early motherhood and was mm-hmm. using that to express yourself and then you were able to turn that into a career
0: yeah the irony is that I'm a lot less elegant of a writer than a lot of my siblings, and mm-hmm. so I never thought of myself that way. and then I've come to realize that you know maybe sometimes it's good to be more like ordinary and less elegant. yeah <laughs> in terms of reaching people, it can be actually an asset sometimes. so
1: so wait, so out. what do your siblings do?:
0: Oh gosh, they do everything. I have my I'm one of ten. So oh, wow.
1: My, That's amazing. You want, to,
0: you want to hear all of them? It's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so this manages a She's the managing director of a professional orchestra. She's a professional violist. Oh, wow. Um, number two is a brother. He was in the Air Force, just retired, and is now – he's an associate – Marriage and family therapist, so eventually he'll be an LMFT. But he's that's his like second career move from the military. Wow! Which
1: is kind of- <laughs> what a change uh, of pace! I love that. I
0: know. And then I have a sister who worked in the military and hospitality for a while. Is currently a mostly stay-at-home mother of seven children. Wow! But she's pretty brilliant. So I'm excited to see what she does over the years. Yeah. Um, And then there's me and then I have a brother who works in, um, healthcare industry, but kind of like breaking, I think it's, um, let's see, remote appointments, kind of making that happen and getting healthcare more broadly available at a more affordable rate, I think is how you describe what he does. Then a sister who, uh, was in China working at a school in China Kind of got locked out during COVID and is now teaching at a school in Florida.
1: Yay, she's back. That's awesome. (laughs) She's
0: back. Uh, Brother who is a statistician and also part-time stay-at-home dad to his three kids. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And then a sister who is a user UX designer, so user friendliness on the internet. Yeah. Brother who is a dentist in the military in England right now. And youngest sister, this is the last one.
1: Probably, yeah, no, this is amazing. Um,
0: she's uh, working on her master's or PhD. She's kind of off the fence if she's going to go all the way through to PhD or stuff a master's in psychology. So.
1: Wow, it's awesome. And then, so it sounds like the only real, I mean, you're right, it is all over the spectrum. But like the only commonality I've seen so far is the three siblings that had a service in that, like they did um, military service.
0: Yeah. And that's, we don't come from a huge military family, but yeah. the one brother went to the air force Academy and then sister joined ROTC in college because she just literally enjoyed it, which is, you know, she's the next sibling after me, we couldn't be more different. I'm like, yeah. are you kidding? camp <laughs> to me is terrible. Yeah. She loved it. And, um, and then the youngest one, he just said he wanted to do it from when he
1: was tiny, so that's awesome. And then what is what does everyone think about you being a professional blogger?
0: You know, they're finally starting to take it seriously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mean they, they kind of considered it a like a joke or something? Or what do you mean? Like they didn't really believe
0: yeah, you? Uh, in fairness, it took me a while to take it seriously. Oh, and then got there it. was like I, I took it seriously until when they took it seriously. But yeah. They're pretty supportive. They're, they're cool
1: yeah I mean it's um it's got to be it's got to be hard to explain to people right because I think there's like so many people that want to do that and do that but it's like um to actually be able to like turn that into a career is like um probably not as common right
0: yeah I mean it takes a lot to as you know running a podcast like yeah. the gap between doing it as a hobby versus making a career is pretty big in terms of just the work involved on the back end it's still a fantastic passion project that you have to of the work in yeah
1: and, w- and and when was that jump for you like how did you like know that you wanted to do this as an outlet to actually like turning this into a business and in, in your career
0: um, I think it was so we were living in Massachusetts and there I was pretty happy about it being just an outlet and I have four little kids and um, we lived out in the countryside, it's like pretty slow, easy pace of life. Yeah. Um, then we moved back to Silicon Valley. And uh, so my husband and I met at Stanford as undergrads. So we were moved back to Stanford for his job. And I'm back in this like high paced world. And I'm like, do I want to go back in? Or do I not? And I guess, you know, I thought about it, it would have been hard, yeah. honestly, it wasn't completely undoable. But And then I tried some other things like the teaching music and I'll probably keep doing that off and on. I tend huge kudos to the teachers who do it year in and year out. I find I can do it in bursts and then I like take a few years off (laughs) and go back in. Um, And, uh, but I've just found, you know, you just can't beat the flexibility and the ability to explore your passions and to really meet some amazing people uh, it's worked like we've done. My husband's taken students on study abroad and it's a job that can move with that. Oh. <laughs> there aren't many of those. I, I just feel like you can't beat the flexibility for the interest factor of the job.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I guess I'm like really trying to like parse out more for my selfish knowledge because I would love to do this for a living. This would be amazing to be able to just podcast for a living. But I, I don't know if you like can hark back to like a specific moment that you realized that this could actually be a possibility of like, you know, um, um, you know, uh, do, 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 do you, do you, do you know what I'm kind of yeah. alluding to? Do you, do you have a moment like that? Or was it just a culmination of a bunch of things?
0: Um, it was a combination of watching some of my friends make the leap and succeed. Cause we, you know, I started blogging at the end of 2008 and a bunch of people started blogging. That's
1: right. There was a huge like entrance a of bloggers of then. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was part of that massive influx. And a bunch of them dropped off. But there's a significant group of us who have kind of like followed each other's longer trajectories over the past yeah. decade and a half now almost. Um, and I've seen some of them really succeed and, you know, had good conversations with them. So that made it feel more doable. And then just realizing how good of an opportunity it is. But also learning more strategy on how to make it work. Yeah. And I'm still working with that. Yeah. Because I'll master one piece of strategy. Like I remember around 2012, Pinterest was so easy for bloggers. Mm. It was incredible. And then they changed their algorithm. And...
1: Oh, wow. So you're like learning like tactics, like actual growth hack tactics and like strategies that have to, oh, wow, that's awesome. I love it. That's really, really cool.
0: Yeah. In the golden days of Pinterest, I could like throw a post out on Pinterest and get, Tons of people
1: on it immediately, but then everybody else figured it
0: out too. So yeah, it's gotta so, love innovation and change no, no, and I
1: love it, and it's so funny because like as I go down this journey of building this um, this video podcast, I I started to realize that it's not as simple as just creating content. You actually have to know business. You have to actually be uh, thoughtful and strategic and operational and tactical, and you have to seek guidance and mentorship and understand the current trends. There's like it's like so much work. It's so <laughs> it's much. So work.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, it's amazing that you, you've been able to navigate it and figure it out. I'm really um, I'm proud of you and jealous of you and not jealous, but I'm very proud of you and excited for you. And I can't wait to learn more from you and, and, and try to see how I can um, pull some nuggets out of you so I can employ them for myself. Um, but that being said, you said you had your kid when you were going for your PhD. And mm-hmm. was that your first or your second?
0: That was my first child. Yeah. And
1: was that, in was that intentional or did you like,
0: it was so my husband and I got married at 20, which is very young. We were both, we've been dating for a few years and his dad had terminal cancer. We're like, you know, we really want, we're like, we're going to stay together. We want him to be part of this and, um, got married, had been married for several years at that point. So like five years, I guess. Um, I had cancer when I was not quite two in 1982 and I was like a clinical trial that worked. Wow. And and when you're the clinical trial that works, you don't know what the long-term like side effects are. And so I'd always been told like, maybe you can have kids, maybe you can't. And so like, I was just like, maybe I'll get lucky. But (laughs) so I got lucky and then I had that's part of why, like, my first three kids are so close in age, because I'm like, well, who knows how many times I'll get lucky. like <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, it was intense, and it was intense to navigate that as, like, you know, a clinical trial kid who's going through a pregnancy when they don't really know the impact, but everything was pretty much fine, so.
1: That's amazing. That That's it. an amazing story. Well, congratulations, even more so now. And so, when you were going through your PhD, you were doing that somewhat intentionally. It sounds like so you were, you knew eyes wide open. You were doing this with even more yeah. uh, complications added to the variables of it, in, in addition to the PhD. So, did you did you finish your PhD? And and
0: I did. Good for you. Um, I got pretty freaked out of the process, as I said, but I'm I'm proud of myself for finishing. Yeah, I am it was too. amazing, you know, the contrast. So I had it almost written before she was born handed in the basic final draft when she was three months old. Wow. And I remember, and then there's like a gap between you in the UK, there's can be a pretty big gap. Cause my, they fly in your examiner. And so we had to wait for my examiner to fly in from Australia on his schedule. And so there was like this big gap of months between when I handed in and when I finally defended and then graduated. And I remember, you know, writing with her at three months was challenging, but then doing the corrections with her at eight months was like unbelievably hard. Because oh, yeah. at that point, she's like typing on the computer, like, mom, what are you doing? Right. Oh yeah. i I kind of taken those months off, which was wonderful to like play with her and stuff. But I didn't even have many corrections. It was like one page worth of corrections, and it took me so many more hours. Oh my gosh, take
1: it. I can't even imagine. And And so... <laughs> so then um, that's where you lent, went into starting to have an outlet when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your degree and you have a kid now and you're like, okay. So you started writing about being a mom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, I mean, it was mostly an outlet. I was, you know, I was, I would get people would be like, why are you taking? Cause I was at that point I was just taking time to be a mom. Like that was all I was doing. And sometimes I get a lot of, criticism for, it, you know, it's a tough choice to make. It's there's ups and downs to doing it for the kids and the parent both. Like there's wins and losses on both ends. I you mean like.
1: the blogging or the, um, the PhD?
0: No, just taking time out to just be a mom, like being a stay at home mom offers wins and losses to the parent and the child.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and one of the things that really pushed me to start writing was like, I wanted to explain, not explain, like if you look at those early posts, they aren't saying this is why I stay home, but it was more like showing this is what life as a parent who's staying home with their kids can look like and it can be exciting and fulfilling and challenging and rewarding like any other pastime. Um, so I was trying to raise some awareness about, I feel like that's a missing, like I'm really, I'm a, I think I would consider myself a pretty big feminist, but I feel like I'm missing piece of feminism and of equality in general needs. At some point we need to appreciate caregiving whether it be stay at home parents or the nannies people hire or the childcare center workers. And I feel like we undervalue those right now. And I guess I was feeling undervalued as a stay at home parent and wanted to raise some awareness of what that actually looks like so that hopefully there be a little more respect.
1: (sighs) I love this story. Thank you for sharing that. That really means a lot to me personally. I mean, my wife and I, um, we made the uh, decision as well to have her stay at home as soon as we had a kid. And um, it was not necessarily a difficult decision for us um, between our partnership. It was actually pretty lo- logical and objective. And, you know, we did the math and, you know, financially, logically, operationally, everything was like, we're like, yeah, this is a no brainer. Uh, we didn't yeah. expect the social aspect of it. You know, we're like, there was this kind of weird taboo thing where we would tell people yeah. and, the most common response was like, you know, you could work, right? Or like, you know, you don't have to stay home, right? right? And it's like, and then just the, the the wording and the, the positioning of that statement came out like, it came out as like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course we know. It's a, cho-, like, <laughs> you, you make it sound like it's a bad thing, you know? And um, and it was really interesting, actually, to go through that, uh, especially, I mean, I don't know, I've only lived in the Bay Area, so I don't really know any better, but um, it was it was a really weird... Um, Experience, especially because almost all of our peers had um, both parents working, and they would just hire care- caregivers. And in our mind, it was like we did the math, and we're like, the amount of money that we're going to make after we pay the caregivers is not worth us just raising our own kid. And so yeah. I would much rather just us tighten our belts a little bit and, and have one of us do it. And my wife agreed, and you know, and it's been a blessing, and we love it, and we don't regret it. And you know, we just always lived, we just lowered our, um, standard of living to accommodate, to accommodate that. And, um, it's one of the other reasons why we moved to Austin, Texas even, right. Is to like even further that ability to do that one single income and have one parent, you know, fully dedicated to uh, caregiving. And I think it's, it's fine, right? Obviously, um, you find people that also like very, um, accepting of it and and appreciative of it. But I will say it was a really weird experience going through that. And then having those like kind of jolts of social um, social awkwardness of like, oh, wait, uh, yeah, this is our decision (laughs) and it's not normal. Well,
0: Silicon Valley in particular, I think it's really difficult. Um, It's really fascinating to me, you know, I'll go. To some event, and sometimes people just quit talking to you if they realize that's the main thing you do. Or blogging, like blogging, is almost in that same category. For
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also probably more so because you just hit the trifecta then, right? Because you you had the blog, you're blogging about it, and you're also so you're like you're like a double whammy in that sense. That's amazing.
0: And there's like you know Massachusetts had more families making that choice. It was more normal. Yeah. Um, and the cost of living is lower, so it's more feasible. Uh, and so the other thing is, so in Massachusetts, I had a bigger social network of people who are making the same choice where here, the social network is, as you would know, I imagine practically non-existent, like it's there, but you really have to seek it out. You really do. You
1: really do. It is. Yeah. It's, it was, it's um, yeah. And it's also, I mean, partly due to the fact that like, it's just so expensive. Right. And so you need that dual mm-hmm. income. So that makes a lot of um, um, options go away because of that. But I love that you were already thinking about this as you made that decision. And I think it's such a valuable one. And I'm not saying one way or the other, I don't think it's bad or good. And I think that right. it's fine either way you do it. Like I have family members yeah. that are, that, you know, that, you know, that think the opposite and did the opposite thing. But um, I also think it's just, it's just a decision that we shouldn't um, necessarily negate either. I think it's like, like, to your point, we just need to normalize it. We just need to appreciate the fact that it's not like a lesser thing. It's actually, in my, in my opinion, it's equal, if not more important than contributing to um, the economy because you're contributing another human being to the world and the economy. Right. So
0: exactly. yeah. And, you know, those are the people who are volunteering at your child's school because they're the ones who have the flexibility to go do yeah. that. Um, it's not even only your own children who benefit. They're often the ones who are driving all the carpool vans, you know, yeah. and they're happy to do yeah, it. it's awesome. Because-
1: yeah, it's awesome to hear you say that because you're you're like a studied academic, right? You went to, you went to Stanford and got a PhD. I mean, so <laughs> it's not like we're just like talking, you know, from a place of like... Um, uh, lack of options right we're talking about you making this conscious yeah. decision with a lot of options and so uh, it's a very very valuable statement and I'm so appreciative that you just shared that story with me um, uh, for for the listeners that are listening but also me personally because I needed to hear that. Uh,
0: well same for you it's just so rare to hear people with yeah I, I, I do think it's like one of the big steps we still need to make towards genuine gender equality is to start recognizing that these traditionally female roles. They certainly don't have to be. Like I said, I have a brother who's a stay-at-home yep. dad. Um, it's, but they're really valuable and they're important and they contribute to greater society and not even just the nuclear family.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. So that kind of leads me into a couple of these questions that I love to ask folks um, about business and um, parenting. But yours is interesting because your business is about parenting. So (laughs) how do you qualify success in your business? Like what does success look like for you as you start to build your, um, you know, your blogging business up?
0: I think the ability to earn enough that you need to earn for whatever your goals are while doing something where you feel like you're having ideally some kind of impact in doing something that's meaningful to you personally I think if you can get those three and believe me I'm like chasing between them a lot Uh, that's like the ultimate goal for me in business success I know often we think about you know growth it you know unlimited growth especially in the U.S. we kind of chase growth 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 and I feel like there's monetary growth is important but sometimes we miss the like you know it's more horizontal growth because like you're deviating delving into things deeper, building better relationships, or, um, you know, one of the things I always juggle is like, how much do I throw into this blog and how much do I throw into parenting, especially as someone running a parenting blog? Like I can spend more time on the blog and my parenting can suffer. And so it's a really difficult balance that I'm always having to like check myself on. I feel oh my
1: like. gosh, that's so meta. That's so true. Yeah. It's actually a really really interesting because you, you don't you don't do you do a podcast as well or is it just strictly the bo- the blog no i i don't have
0: the i don't feel like i have the bandwidth i, I think it would be fun. i
1: was just but. gonna say like i had no idea how much time and energy the podcast would take and it's so funny mm-hmm. because there's all these moments where i'm like wait shouldn't i be spending more time with my kid especially because i run a parenting podcast it's like um it's a really weird um problem that i didn't foresee which i should have you know but it's really mm-hmm. great to hear you talk about that because it makes me feel a little bit less lonely on this journey. <laughs> and then... Um,
0: it's really hard. It just is. Yeah,
1: it just is. And it sounds like you're still on the journey. It sounds like you're constantly battling it. Oh,
0: yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome.
1: Good. That also makes me feel good. And then um, when you think about parenting, what do you? how do you think about success as a parent? And what does that look like for you? I
0: think the heart of successful parenting is connection because it's crazy. You know, you go and you think, you know, this is how I'm going to parent. And then you have kids and that gets thrown on us, like throw it upside down, inside out, yeah. because the reality is not what you think. I mean, even me coming in with six younger siblings, you think I'd have a better idea than a lot yeah. of people, but even with all of that, like still, I guess, it's not what you expect or, you know, new things come up. And then you, get something working and it's working really well. And you're like, sweet, I've hmm. arrived. Like, and then something happens. So like throws all of that out the window. Totally. And so I, you know, i I try to be really open-minded. I feel like my kids have done an amazing job of showcasing my personal weaknesses. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the connection that's where it's at because it's how you survive the really tough times. It's how you survive the sleep deprivation to the, you know, I have a 16 year old, you know, teenagers plus COVID was brutal on the teenagers yeah. and as parents. I just felt like I was failing. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're coming out and things are getting easier. And like I'm like, okay, I'm not horrible. But you're, you're gonna fail. That's just how parenting mm-hmm. works. And, you know, here in Silicon Valley, we talk about how great failure is, but we don't usually actually really talk about what failure is yeah. like. And it's, it's really painful when you're in the, the muck of it, you totally. know?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. That's amazing. And I love that you're, you're being so vulnerable and sharing these um, conversations and actually talking about it because I think that no one would expect that from a parent blogger right? Like, especially someone that writes about it. So that's really great. I love it. Um, I have to ask, what do your kids think about you being a, um, a blogger?
0: So um, I think they're pretty they're good with that. I, you know, if you go and visit my blog, you'll see there's less and less content about them as they get older, because when they're small, that's just really straightforward and cool and there's a really good reason for that. Cause like little kids, they're all kind of similar. So it doesn't feel as vulnerable to throw a little kid off there and talk about what they're doing. Cause like most of the other little kids are going through right. the same things yeah. and, and they get older and their struggles become more personal. And so, uh, I'll probably eventually write about it, but like once they're through with it, I'm not going kind to of throw it out there while we're in the muck of it. And, um, that's because I don't know what the end is partly too. And I don't actually know what's working yet. Mm. Like I know what I think is working, but if I look back, will it still look like what it was working? I'm not sure. So Um, you need the
1: retrospect. You need the ability to retrospect. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm going to have like, there's going to be a lag in what I write and, you know, it protects them from like their peers Googling them or whatever. And it's, But they mostly like it. Um, I actually, my two younger daughters would like to be on there more than they currently are, and I probably should like let them go do that. (laughs) I just got so in the habit of protecting the teenagers, and I'm like, wait, but the non-teenagers still like it. So, wait, explain. They want
1: to be. They want to be written about. They want their stories to be spotlighted. They
0: They like being written about at this point in their life. Oh wow,
1: that's amazing.
0: And I was, I will say that's one of the things I think I did write was I was always really careful what I put on there thinking, you know, looking down the road, will this embarrass them? And I've really tried not to write anything that could do that. I think it helped that, you know, my husband's an AI expert, so I was fully aware of things like image recognition and search engine power. And, uh, you know, you, there are people who will say I should have protected them the more than I did. You have to make, but, what I did do is I've consistently tried to protect their um, ability to be who they are without people pulling up pieces of their past that might be hurtful. And they're awesome kids, so that makes
1: yeah it easier. Yeah, but. that's that does make it easier. But it is like a it is like a really weird world that we live in, and um, that's got to be really fun to um, have an AI expert in the house as well too, because I'm sure he would he would be like cringing and and um, um, uh, just be just be in uh, absolute horror when he hears how much I share about my kids because <laughs> I'm like I'm like a massive overshare you know
0: uh, he's, it's funny because he used to be like you know he'd always be like cautious 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 and then like he got an Instagram profile and I'm like
1: Hi. <laughs> he's addicted now huh <laughs> yeah it's so <laughs> addicting I know it's the worst uh, very good. But um, let me jump into some of the rapid fire questions I want to ask every guest. So there's some uh, standard to the, the mm-hmm. show. Uh, let me jump right into it. I, I'm going to throw a couple fun ones because uh, just because of the conversations we've had. But um, I'll, I'll definitely try to make sure I get the main ones that I ask as well, too. What advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents?
0: Um, especially soon to be, just expect the unexpected and... It's going to be a big adventure and you just have to approach it as a big adventure. Remember that some of the best stories are miserable while you're looking through them. <laughs> <laughs> like they're great after you're done. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it, embrace the adventure. And I really feel like connection is super important and sure that fed into my desire to like be mostly home with my kids, but I have seen working parents can make that happen and I see them make it totally. Happen. So it's all about where your focus is and what your goals are.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, it's a really, really good answer because, yeah, connection, if you think about it in that aspect of the quality of that connection, it doesn't matter if you stay at home or you work. It's really, you know, it's really right. pervasive in that sense that it can kind of ride through any any medium. Um, that's awesome.
0: And kids are smart. Like, you have to pay attention. Like, they call me, they're like... Sometimes I'll say something's cool and they're like, mom, you just say cool when you did a list.
1: You're wow. ruining it. Wow. Exactly. That's funny.
0: <laughs> so, um, no, they're smart. Like when you pay attention, when you remember details, when you follow through on stuff they told you about, like that's where the gold is. I feel yeah, like
1: it's awesome. So if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? <laughs>
0: breathe <laughs> like, I remember I mean going back to like kind of a feeling like amazing to actually get to have a kid since that was kind of an unknown for me um but I think this happens to other parents too like I remember having that newborn and it's just crazy that that kid is breathing <laughs> like just you worry like are they going to keep breathing and and of course you're going to worry but the worrying isn't making them breathe so like just the extent that you can just take deep breaths let yourself you know sit and admire the toes and and catch those little silent moments like i think there's a really good evolutionary reason children are so beautiful when they're asleep because you can have the worst day and then you finally get them to fall asleep
1: <laughs> which yeah. small children yeah, yeah, you know no, i know
0: And then
1: you go go in and they just, I'm in that, I'm in that stage right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Those little terrors, you know, and then you're like the roller coaster ride of the day, you know, just like all their emotions and and stuff is up and down, up and down. And then when you finally get them to sleep, it's just like, everything's worth it and everything's good in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, What is the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself uh, after you became a parent?
0: Oh, that's really good um my fears weren't always what I thought they were if that makes mm-hmm. sense so so I'm a pretty cautious person by nature but then like there might be something where I would if it were about me I wouldn't ever speak up but then if it's about my kid then of course I'm gonna speak up so there's that kind of fears and then I guess I've just learned to be really cautious of like aware of my own fears because I've learned that like I can work through things that I've been afraid to do my whole life. If suddenly my child's well-being is involved. So that's like the fear isn't as big as that I thought it was, I guess. And then the other thing is like when I make poor parenting choices, I feel like they're almost always based on my fears, like fears about my child growing up to do something terrible or fears that oh, wow. I'm a terrible parent. And it's like the fear is bad. Oh, so like just, I have to let go of the fear, and that's terrifying. Cause like the fear is like this funny tightrope that's actually making you fall, but you think it's holding you up somehow.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> you gotta let go that's really, really interesting. Cause it kind of goes back to the whole mindset of like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if you keep mm-hmm. if you keep worrying about it, then that thing that you worry about's gonna happen. Oh, that's really, really insightful. Um, and this is kind of a curveball, but like um so you're kind of unique because you have a fun story here, but Uh, If there was other parents that wanted to like start blogging or podcasting or, you know, kind of join the conversation, you know, and they're trying to figure out if they want to make that jump or not, what would you say to them? I think you should go for it.
0: I mean, it takes a lot of time to set up and it takes a while to get it to where it's working. But I really love the diversity of voices we get in the blogging podcasting world. I think we need, and I love the fact that anybody can suddenly go And with enough perseverance and focus and passion can go and start being heard. And I think we just need more and more voices out there. So I would say do it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really good. I also agree with you on that. I think that... um we could always use more point of views just because I think that there's no, the more I do this, the more I realize there's really no right way of parenting. And I think just hearing more <laughs> perspectives and understanding that it's not like cookie cutter and it's okay to have to figure things out and that there's all these different types of parents is really, really important because that by de facto I think will help people feel more comfortable about being a parent and more, much more open to learning, um, and talking about it. So I, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, I do want to know: is there is there like a a book or a podcast or a, a blog that you like to read, or is there a favorite one that you have that's kind of like um your staple? Um, let's see.
0: There's a really fun sewing one.
1: Sewing sewing called... blog. It's a blog on sewing. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Oh, blog,
0: but but actually, part of what I love about it is she's a brilliant writer. Um, it's it's um iCatbag.com, mm-hmm. I think like i k a t b a g.com. Yeah. And I have followed her for forever, and she makes these really cute, like, kids' toys patterns. Yeah. And then she makes amazing things out of cardboard. And uh, she's a former physics teacher, now stay at home mom. And if I remember right, I've read her for forever. This is why yeah. I know this, <laughs> but. Uh, her dad was an art teacher and her mom was a seamstress, wow. I think, and so she's got this huge art background. But she also like did some sort of counseling professionally in schools, I think, and she writes like this beautiful, beautiful series about grief when her because her father passed away. And she wrote this incredible series about grieving her father. And and so yes, like I like I, I so is like a de stress creativity mm-hmm. thing. And so I admire her from the sewing side of it, but she's a fantastic writer. She builds, this is what I mean about meeting all these different voices. Yeah. Like it's a sewing blog. You can go in there and you can learn about grief and processing grief in a way that you don't find necessarily in like the main books yeah. of
1: grief. Exactly. No, that's what I was going to ask. Was that like, is there some sort of like philosophical, um, overtones to it, but it sounds like there is, it's not just about like the tactical aspects of sewing, but it's actually interwoven with her. Yeah,
0: story. And she got, yeah. And she talks about raising, she has three daughters and she's raising these daughters and, you know, talks about that stuff too. And it's not really about the sewing. That's not why I come back. That's what I realized with blogs you Know the ones you keep coming back to, there's something beyond just the surface content, it's you know the person underneath, mm. which who keeps you coming oh,
1: back. Oh, wow, that's actually really um insightful and tactical. I got to start figuring out what that thing is for me. That's awesome.
0: Oh, I yeah, I'm not sure I've cracked it for myself, honestly, but but she's got I feel like she's really got it, and I don't think she's about being tactical, it's just she's yeah, just she's just, just being
1: she her is, authentic so. self, and it's just coming through. That's amazing. Yeah. Um I think you kinda answered it, but I'm gonna ask anyways, just because I think that um if there's another um answer or another thing that you do, it'd be great to hear. But when you're not being a um awesome parenting blogger and um an awesome uh mom, uh what do you do for your downtime? What do you do for um fun? And I know now I now know you so. Yeah, so Is there I, anything else that you like to add to
0: that? I think so. Yeah. Um I actually during so I started teaching middle school and I wanted to teach them songwriting so that I took a songwriting class because like I'd never done nice. that <laughs> and I kind of got into it so like I write songs and someday maybe I'll get brave and like record some of them. But it's been a really good these last couple of years. I've what done a What kind of lot. music? It's been really oh uh, probably folk genre. It's I love pretty. It. I feel like I lean cheesy and I always have to like rein myself in. I mean, my blog, if you visit my blog, it, it leans that direction to
1: like, I can't wait to hear so. it. I can't just, wait to hear it. Yes. <laughs> and going back to what you said earlier, you got to like cast the fears out and just like go for it. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Just push it out there. Who knows? Next time we talk, you may actually be uh, a music artist and a, and a blogger. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, you've already you've already proven that you you can do this and make a living out of it. So why, you know, like if anybody can do it, it's going to be you. So that's awesome. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Marianne, to talk to me on on my show and and just um, uh, and being so vulnerable and and sharing so many of your wonderful stories. I really, really appreciate the conversation. Yeah.
0: Thank you. You're
1: so easy to talk to. Oh, thank you for saying that. I'll talk to you soon. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.